Welcome to the Meta Woman Podcast. We address the issues, opportunities, and challenges facing women in the development of the metaverse, the biggest revolution since the internet itself. Every week, we bring you conversations with top female talent and business executives operating in the gaming and crypto industries. Here's your host, Lindsay the Boss Poss. The Meta Woman Podcast starts now. Hello, and welcome to the Meta Woman Podcast, part of the Holodeck Media Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lindsay the Boss Poss, and from struggle to success, we're covering it all. Our returning listeners, thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you for listening week after week. Thank you for all the feedback you send in. I love getting it. And for the new listeners, welcome. I hope you enjoy, and I hope you'll come back next week. Today's guest is Julie Vett Jefferson, co-founder and creator of Pick the Day, an organization that, in its own words, has, quote, a mission to provide STEM education through esports and coding while advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion for youth and communities. Julie Vett, this is going to be such a fun conversation about building esports from the grassroots level. I love talking to community builders. Uh, to start, I would love for you to introduce yourself and give a bit of your background to the audience. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. Again, I'm Julie Vett Jefferson. Um, I have a background in marketing and advertising, and then I discovered my passion for fitness and wellness um, and kind of fast forward through all of our journey, um, bringing us to a family of four boys and a husband who all love gaming um, and us trying to figure out how do we kind of put intention behind their gaming. So as a mom that does research, like probably too much, um, we discovered this world of esports that we did not know existed. Even as my husband, as an avid gamer, since he was so young, didn't know about this world of esports. Um, then we came to COVID and um, we said, hey, like, let's do something fun and safe because our kids were not going to have gym class or socialize during recess. Um, so we got um, did a program in our neighborhood called Fit and Play, where we brought kids together um, to exercise and play games together. And that was such a hit in our community. Kids loved it. Parents loved it. And that's kind of how it all got started. My passion and love for wellness and my husband and kids love for gaming. And we created Kick the Day. You definitely got into a lot of your origin story there, but can you, you had told me a great story about how um, how you started in your driveway, I believe, with neighborhood yes. kids and how it's grown up. So can you just give me a little more detail about mm -hmm. how this has grown and evolved and changed over the pandemic and what the programs that you actually have now are. Absolutely. So Fit and Play did start in our driveway. Um, when we came up with the idea and the structure, we just put out flyers in our neighborhood um, and parents would sign up their kids either for every day or whatever days their child was available. And so we brought out a big TV that we actually someone was going to throw away. And so um, we repurposed the TV, put it in our garage, put up a switch. Um, and so we had kids doing exercise for about 45 minutes. And surprisingly, sometimes they wanted to do it longer. We would run up and down the driveway. We do like simple things like um, jumping jacks and push-ups. I had resistance bands and um, we really allowed the kids opportunities to take leadership. So we would pick someone to say, okay, what, um, what exercises should we do next? 
Um, and they really, really enjoyed that opportunity to take leadership with their peers. Um, and then the gaming usually went longer than we had intended, but it was, everyone just had such a great time. Um, and of course, they were not having socialization with their friends. So this was like, yes, other people other than my parents or my siblings. Um, and one thing that was super special um, that gave us um, the desire to keep moving forward with it and figuring out how to grow this was that in this space, um, one, these kids lived in the same neighborhood, but many of them were not friends, right? They didn't play together. And then the other thing we knew that even if they went to the same school, they probably were not in the same friend circles. We had the very popular kids. We had the athletes. We had the very shy reserved kids. But in this space, it was so beautiful to see a natural just clicking of everybody. Everyone got along. No one was left out. We didn't have to... Um, Sometimes I think with kids, you know, you kind of try to push like to get them to like mingle. But in this space, it was just totally natural. We just provided the space and, and the day and time. And then the kids really um, took it over from there. It was just so natural and so beautiful. And so by seeing that dynamic, we were like, how do we grow from here? Like, where do we take this from here, from our driveway? We had no idea. It was just an idea to get kids moving and socializing. Um, and but so I was wondering, like, oh, she's not still in the driveway. Like, where did we go? <laughs> no, we're not in the driveway anymore. Um, even though we're, I'm thinking maybe this summer we should do like a pop up thing in our driveway now that we live somewhere new. Um, so from there, um, just in conversation with someone, um, who is the director of a school um, here in Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania, we I told her about our fit and play program um, and all that encompassed. And she absolutely loved it and said, can you bring something like this to our school? Um, and in the midst of that, we were still digging into this esports space. We were still very unfamiliar and we started to um, get our kids signed up for competitions um, and our kids won a few small prizes. And it just was like, wow, there's something bigger here than just sitting in front of a screen and sitting on your butt all day, which that was my perspective. I'm like, hey, kid, we got to get up. You got to do something like what's the point here? Right. And then also discovering. Um, careers in in gaming um discovering this ecosystem that, that is in esports that it's not just the gamer right it's the broadcasting and, and there's so many different roles and pieces that come together um and really having these conversations with the kids in our community but with our own children about hey you don't have to be the number one um and you also probably have other passions than playing the games. So how can we develop that and mesh that all together? Um, so we developed a program called Gaming with Intention. And so that is our program where, that we deliver in schools where we introduce kids to competitive gaming. Um, and so our, our focus, not our sole focus, but we really want to in, impact lower income urban communities that in our conversation, esports is very new to them. Um, and so as we're discovering, have, like, have you ever competed before? How, do you know what competitive gaming is? Even the word esports is a foreign word 
um, to many of the youth that we've been talking to. So really just kind of like esports one-on-one, like introducing them to tournaments and how that works, introducing them to sitting down and playing a game and understanding the skill behind the game and how do we get better? How do we lose effectively? How do we take a loss and analyze and um, getting the kids to have those conversations with each other and not just us facilitating, but um, taking the better player and say, hey, can you tell your peer um, how you did X, Y, Z, or what did you notice that they could do better? And they, by giving them at least those questions, the conversation starts to flow naturally on its own. Um, so we are now completing our first full school year, um, hosting Gaming with Intention at um, this school. The, it's K through nine. Most of the kids that come are really like, four through nine. Um, a lot of the younger kids would rather do something else. Um, and so this is very different because we are integrated in their school day. So we are the last like half an hour of the school day. And Uh so what is special about this is, um, they've earned their time. So they've had to have good behavior and um, participate in class. Um, and so the, there's many activities besides gaming with attention at this school that they can choose from. And so we are just one of many, um, activities they can choose. Um, and so the structure has been seasons are just two weeks. And so they have one week of training and then one week where they're competing. And then every winner, throughout the school year will then compete in one final championship tournament at the end of school year for a trophy and um, some other goodies um, to just take home and say, I'm the champion of this particular game. So that's kind of how it's all unfolded. And then as we're growing um, this summer, we are partnering with amateur esports association to host three one week camps, which would focus on esports and broadcasting and all of the different pieces um, that come together with that, um, as well as figuring out um, what pieces we need to launch fit and code, which would essentially be very similar to fit and play, just adding some code, um, learning coding in there and Our hope is that it's specific to game design. How do you code and and design your own game um, while integrating the fitness piece? That's so cool. What has the response been like from schools and from administrators? I know you had one reach out and say, hey, come here, come help us or come do a program. But have you encountered um, since that one person, have you encountered more people reaching out and wanting to learn? Have you encountered resistance from folks who may be more on the we're not sure about gaming yet side of things? Like, What are schools in your area and you are and I would love for you to talk about this because you're outside of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. But what are the what is going on in your area with, you know, middle particularly I would assume middle and high schools, like you yeah. said, that, that mm-hmm. four through nine kind of, mm-hmm. or four through twelve kind of region. But how are schools responding to you and trying to get more esports worked into the school day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been in quite a few conversations, a lot of schools. Um, budget is such a big piece of this, right? Being able to provide um, the equipment necessary for the kids to um, play. Um, so that's a big topic of conversation of um, we're interested, but how do we make it happen? Um, so we've been kind of brainstorming ideas on how the schools could possibly fundraise um, to purchase the equipment that they need. 
Um, we are ourselves fundraising and trying to figure out donations for our summer camp. So at least when the kids come for the summer camp, they don't have to worry about the equipment. We can already provide it. Um, some schools understand that they'll have some gamers on staff and, um, that's an easy conversation when at least one person, um, can know a little bit about this world and then, give it back in a form where the administrators can be like, okay, we, we get it. Um, and then there are some schools that they're like, we're just going to play video games. And then there's, you know, just push back at understanding how, what is the value and really pitching yeah. the value. Be, it's not just about the video game. It's about the teamwork. It's about how we can get these kids to to learn about sportsmanship. And that is the key part, right? Like I think us and many organizations in this eSports space is um, as with any organized sport, they all have similar values right? They may be played differently, but we all have similar values and why we want um, kids to be part of a team and part of an organized sport and having someone to coach and mentor them. Um, and so with us, we are really pushing the other piece because this would be an organized sport where they're not moving their bodies. And so really um, integrating that wellness piece to keep the whole body, you know, ready to play at their best. Um, so it's a little bit of both um, to your question of we have some schools that are like, we don't want video games in our school. They can do that at home on their free time and other schools who are, are very much open to it and just figuring out um, how do we make it happen in terms of expenses. Gotcha. Yeah, that is always, I mean, you're a nonprofit working with schools. And so <laughs> there's a lot of um, financial difficulties that come with that. Yes. Uh, I think as, as many, many people know and understand, um, I do want to talk specifically, and we've gotten into this for sure. I want to talk specifically about the community you're in and what it's like to actually build. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hello. That is our youngest. For that <laughs> yeah. For those that aren't watching the video, we just got a great cameo. <laughs> <laughs> From one of Juliet's sons. Hello. <laughs> um, that was great. That made my day. But I do want to talk specifically about the community you're in. There has been definitely a push. And when we talk about fundraising, we talk a lot about like nationwide programs. Um, and some of them have been successful. Some of them have not. We saw Playverse. We saw what happened with Playverse. And there's, to me, especially where we're at right now, I mean, esports really took off maybe like five years ago. So it's such a nascent industry and just it's hard to make everyone happy when you're trying to build a national view. Yeah. <laughs> um. So can you talk about how you're able to build something from the grassroots level and how you're able to work with your community to identify some of the needs and the areas that were met? Um, I think you use your own kids as a template, which is always a good place to start because I'm <laughs> sure you know them very well. Yes. Um, but how were you able to, I don't know, look around and see what kids needed and, and see what parents wanted and see what administrators wanted? And how do you feel about taking that approach versus trying to kind of create a package and then give it to a community? Um... I think really the insight is first being a parent. I'm not sure that I would have like that 
to be tuned in to those kind of things had I not been a parent. I'm not sure. Um, I also worked in educational staffing for five years. So talking to administrators about their staffing needs is directly correlated to the needs of their students. Um, and, you know, having to put on the hat of the type of teachers that I need to hire because this is what they need to accomplish. Um, all of those kind of pieces put together is like, I, we believe that this is kind of the role because we could just solely be like a community-based organization, not ever talk to the schools. Um, but um, if we can touch students like where they are all the time, and I think there is something special in this school year, we've seen the students seeing their teachers and seeing that their school is invested in something that they're interested in. Um, that is would otherwise be like just um, casual free time. Right. Like there was something that happened there. And, you know, having the staff part of the program being, you know, kind of like our co-coaches and facilitating and being able to play with their teachers and have this fun time. Um, I think. That gave us some insight into, hey, we know we need the education. But how can we get kids more excited about coming to school and um, excited about their grades and what they're learning? Again, very similar to other organized sports where they have to have a certain GPA to participate or whatever. Um, and esports is just whether you're the shy reserve or you're the athlete, it crosses all borders, all characteristics and, and personalities. Um, and so when we started to have conversations um, also like, hey, we're thinking about this. What is your idea to another community organization? And they're like, we never thought about that. I think that's a great idea. I'm a gamer. You know what? I'll part How can I help you? Right. And so it's like really through having conversations of what do you think? Because we have this idea and we're not sure if it would be successful or not. And people validating and then seeing the kids they're not directly giving us feedback. Well, we're seeing everything kind of evolve. Um, that's kind of like where, where we're, we're letting feedback and the, the kids kind of guide us really. Yeah. Well, I just think that that's, um, I, and I bring this up because I, I am, I really like talking about esports and education. Um, and I think that there is, there's a lot happening in college, like a ton happening mm -hmm, in college. Ton. And then there's a lot of companies that have kind of tried in the, in the middle and high school scene, but it's obviously extremely hard to monetize. So if you're trying to build a company that's taking on investors and doing all this stuff, it can be really tricky. And a lot of these companies also try to come up with nationwide programs. And I think your experience as an educational staffer and then having kids of your own makes it so that you can be really successful within your community and like add that value in a way that a prepackaged program might have difficulty doing that. Um, so I think that's definitely like, that's a different approach than a lot of people have taken. Um, but these kind of more grassroots things at the, at the current juncture just make more sense to me because you're going to have a lot better idea of what you need 
in the suburbs of Philadelphia mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. someone who is writing a program in Florida um, and looking for huge amounts of investments and a way to monetize that just isn't necessarily there without public support. Like, right. Yes, support is big yeah. key. Exactly. Um, <laughs> the only way to monetize this is by you getting the community on board. And it's easier mm-hmm. to do that if you live there and if you're doing it than it is like to try to come in and make people believe in the vision. Yes, know, for sure. Absolutely. Like okay. even if you take like if you make it even smaller, like on a more granular level, like we had the director of the school bring us in and the, and she believed it and she was excited about it, but we still had to have support from everybody else, all of the staff members, the other administrators. Um, and, and that was not easy. You would think, oh, the director says this is good. And so you just walk right in and it's going to be easy peasy, but it's not. You really have to get buy-in from the community as a whole so that they can say to their classrooms, Hey, this is a new program happening in our school. It's an option for you to sign up and attend. And so we, you know, from the beginning, we didn't just have a whole ton of kids coming. It was maybe two, then five, and then 10, and then 20, you know? Um, and so the support of the community, no, like no matter how big or small, is so essential. Um, so that you're not the only one, like, with a bullhorn saying, Hey, we're here. This is why you have to come. You know, like you have kind of like, this is why word of mouth is so important. Right. Because that's the community to support the value. That makes total sense. And what has the response been like from the kids, from the parents, from the teachers, from, you know, from even local government or whoever, like what kind of feedback have you been getting from folks in the community about the programs that you're doing? Parents love it. Um, it's they love the fitness piece. They're like, oh, I love that you're getting my kid. Like they don't do anything at home. They just sit. So they parents love the fitness piece. Um, we've also been able to partner with other organizations that do things like um, girls. We just finished a girls in gaming program where they had girls go through six weeks of. Um, talking about esports and developing their own event, esports event. Um, and then possibly, you know, one of them could make this a reality. So how do you go from idea to implementation and planning and all of that? Um, and so the programs that we integrate or try to expose the kids to, that's what the parents love. Um, the schools, our school so far, they just, they love that in this space. So this school is very special in that um, 100% of the kids have an IEP for many, many reasons. Um, and so there are some behavior challenges. I, sure. I'm very familiar with IEPs, but can you explain what those are just, just in case? Yes. So IEP stands for Individualized Education Plan. You can have this for any number of reasons. It can be ADD. It can be speech. It can be the, it it's not falling under the spectrum of special education. So I'm learning this as we continue into the world of education. Um, but you, a, a student can have an IEP for many number of reasons. It just means that for this particular reason, we need to give them extra support, whatever that reason may be. Um, and for many of these students, it is a behavior, like whatever their situation is, it does translate into behavior challenges. Um, and so because 
they're here with me, that means they've earned the right to be there. They've had a good day. They participated. Um, you know, they did everything they were supposed to do to earn that time with me. Um, and so that is the one thing they're like, as the numbers grow and as the kids keep coming back, that means these kids keep having good days. And that means that what was a productive day in the classroom. Um, and so that's the win. When you said that earlier, not knowing the full picture, because I mean, even if even any kid earning and, and being on good behavior and having a good day is really important for sure. Um, but knowing the full picture and knowing the type of school you're in, it's definitely like an extra incentive, which is really cool. Absolutely. Um, that you're able to to bring that in as someone who is in the nonprofit slash education side. What kind of support systems do you wish were in place? I don't necessarily, like that can, that can take on a whole bunch of meanings, right? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the gaming industry, support from local governments, support from local businesses, support from parents, support from schools. Like what do you wish there was for you to make this transition into the education portion a little bit smoother? Um... We haven't gotten a lot of response from local government, and that can be a numerous things. Um, and so local government support would be amazing, right? Because if we had local government saying to schools and or communities, this is good for X, Y, Z, right? And we have case studies all over our country that are showing this is good. For various reasons, um, it's just a matter of getting everyone else to to see and agree. Um, I think if we put education at the state level, right? Like for us, it would be the Pennsylvania Department of Education. If we had support and buy-in from them in the value of esports, um, that trickle the trickle down will be easier, right? We're trying to go from the bottom up. It's a lot easier when it comes from the top down. Um, and so just at the state level, it would be nice to see our state, um, see the value in it, um, because gaming is not going away. The children's interests, um, or people in general interest in gaming isn't going away. Um, and so, but I just, everything is like, how do we monetize? And I I want there to be a balance. It's like, how do we get state support, but also not a whole bunch of companies like rushing into like, how do we um, state or support? Means, yeah, you I'm know, like, yeah. like There's sometimes rules attached to funds. It can make it yes, harder. It's yeah. like that part of it. The money part of it is like, I think the tricky part. And, and when you think bigger, it's the the money is necessary, right? Because you need to invest to grow. Um, we need money for the schools to have these programs. Um, but what does that look like? And it's just like you said, not the red tape or like company studying just to figure out like how much money they could make now that the state is supporting it. That's interesting because I hadn't thought about that second piece. Um, and I do think that, yeah, when it comes to when we're talking about earlier, kind of national versus local programs, like, yeah, you're right. You don't want a whole bunch of people to come in and try to make a grandiose national program that they can, or even a state, you know, 
spread all mm-hmm. over Pennsylvania and then yeah. try to monetize off of. So that makes total sense. Do you, speaking of this, do you see yourself kind of staying in the nexus of gaming and education and staying in schools? Do you think that it'll get to a point where maybe you're less interested in working in schools and you kind of want to create your own space or have your own programs? I know you've previously worked as an education staffer, so I'm not sure if that plays into it, but like, has this, and and given that you all started yeah, 2020, ish right mm-hmm. so yeah you're yes. still in mm-hmm. definitely in growth phases here yes. do you see yourself staying in working with schools because of you know the feedback you've gotten the value you've gotten the way you've gotten kids to be involved or do you foresee hey working in schools is great but it doesn't come with the monetization it comes with the schools do have rules and it comes with barriers and it takes a lot of buy-in to get education on board like do you picture yourself monetizing in a different way in the future? Or are you really passionate about staying in education and providing these opportunities through schools? Um, so we do have a goal to open KTD Studios, which would be a land and education center where we have our own place to to host these programs and so much more because now it's our space and we can do what we want. Um, but um, outside of schools, we've um thought about partnering with like boys and girls clubs, YMCAs, local rec centers, other um nonprofit organizations. For instance, um we'll be partnering with Cancer Who. Um they are a cancer support nonprofit. Um so they support cancer patients as well as family members who are experiencing that journey with whoever is diagnosed. Um, and so um, they are the first and only black owned cancer support center in the country. And so we're partnering with them to host our camp. So they're allowing us to host our camp in their beautiful space in Philadelphia. Um, and so other organizations that have this post on the community um, and kids um, that see the value and what esports can bring. And not just esports, not just the competitive part. We have the kids who are not interested in competing, which is great. And that's where fit and play comes into play. Or fit and code would be is not just about the competing, but merging your passion and your interests and also finding other people of similar interests and creating friendships and connections. Gotcha. So you're open to kind of doing broader community stuff and not just education, right? Is no, this is just kind of like our beginning, right? Right. Like- absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I wondered, I think that there's a, I mean, there's certainly room for both. And especially since you are focused on community development and what that looks like, um, I think it's good not to, not to limit yourself for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and I want to kind of pivot a little bit. We've talked a lot about Kick the Day, which I think everyone should check out. Um, I want to talk about your experience as, you know, as a mom, as someone who's been in the game industry, as someone who's learning more and kind of the direction that we're heading in the games industry in general. So big, big picture stuff here. Um, so now we're kind of moving into the metaverse. We're moving into virtual experiences. This is something I like to talk a lot about on the show. Um, I'm definitely one of those people who still believes in real world experiences and believes in that balance for sure. Um, but as tech gets better and as we all start to do more and more things online, 
I want to hear about your perspective from working with kids in real life and what you're thinking about in terms of balancing virtual and real, specifically since you started during a pandemic when everyone was in virtual schooling and intentionally built a very safe real world experience. Um, yeah. So how are you thinking about kind of this hybrid? How are you thinking about getting kids excited about new tech, but still interacting in the real world and giving those skills? Like what, what are you doing to prepare for that? To think about that, to teach your kids about it. Um, as we started to go back into the world and now we can be around other people, um, what I love that has happened is the virtual didn't just go away, right? We didn't just say, okay, we don't need Zoom and Google Meet anymore and we're back to what it used to be. No, what we've created is this hybrid world where we can do both. And so also kids are funny and maybe all humans are where like um, when they have to do something, they no longer want to do it. So virtual seemed great, right? Like talking to your friends over FaceTime or whatever, that was fun when it was a choice. But now you're saying I have to be on virtual, I have to be on the Zoom call or whatever. There's some pushback, but also I think everyone um, kind of um, realized the value of being in person. So now there is a desire amongst adults and children to want to be in person because there was a point where we could not. Um, and so everyone is also craving this in-person experience now. Um, however, with virtual, um, and we know this for so long now, but I think it's more prevalent now that you can meet and connect with people anywhere in the world in this virtual space. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, in our like for instance, girls in gaming program that um, was hosted by uh, another nonprofit. Um, there were kids in different school districts and nowhere near each other, like Philadelphia and Lancaster, right? They're nowhere near each other. So they got to meet other girls um, that they otherwise would not have met um, and got to hear their perspectives and their ideas. So the virtual world has so much value, but also in-person experience. There's something to be said, if you and I were in the same room, it would just be different. I can't describe it. It's, there's just something different about physically being present with someone. Um, and if we can just take the value from both of those experiences and create balance, um, I think it. I think that's the direction that we're going, whether we want to or not. Um, both of these things as humans, we want them and it'll just kind of keep evolving. And we're just open to evolving with, with that. That makes sense to me. And I know that you are big on, on wellness and fitness is something that we've talked about. Are you at all kind of thinking about how we're going to balance new tech experiences? I think there's like, you know, there's so much concern over screen time. There's so much concern over on, on being in an online world and the types of harassment you might receive or the types of things you might get used to. Like, mm -hmm. what are you thinking about as someone who is engaged not only with gaming, but with the fitness and wellness side about moving into more kind of virtual or I guess time spent virtually time spent interacting with technology, less time spent on real world things like, yeah, from that perspective, what are you thinking about? Oh, my gosh. Again, a balance is everything. 
So even as we think about growing our programs or just in our family, non-electronic time is important. I think just for our mental health too, like there's just so much stimulation in a computer or a phone or a tablet um, and being able to connect with nature, being able to be a little bit quiet sometimes, like and recenter and rebalance ourselves. Um, in in the world and in the education space, mindfulness is like a, a good buzzword that's popping around, but it's important, right? Like this balance that we need is absolutely important. Just stepping away from this metaverse and electronics is so important. Um, so that's one of the things that we've thought about, um, like for the camp, we'll definitely step away and go outside and just play, right? Like there's so much value in just playing and having fun outside of that. Um, and so I hope that um, that's a topic of conversation as this virtual reality world is growing and there's so much happening, good and bad and upside down and crazy. Um, I hope that the conversation around balancing and, and getting out of the virtual and into the real world is a topic of conversation. And it's really hard um, for industries and companies to say, hey, we have this amazing product or this amazing game or whatever, but make sure you take a break. <laughs> right. Yeah. When they're trying to get every ounce of your time, which is yes, also understandable yes. because when you have something you love and you believe in, you won't use it. Um, yes. I do want to end with kind of a fun question. And this is something that I've asked folks in the education space before, but what are the kids actually playing these days? What do your oh students play? Yes. So um, let's see. Madden and 2K are a big one at our school. Um, Smash is like everyone loves Smash. Um, another Brawlhalla is a big one. Um, Ooh, Brawlhalla is a yes surprise. That's a little. You know, Madden and 2K, we all know about, but Brawlhalla yeah. is a smaller. <laughs> it is a smaller. I actually have a student who um, participates in the Brawlhalla tournaments. So, oh, you know, awesome. the game. Yes. Yeah. So he loves them. Um, and because Smash and Brawlhalla are very similar, Smash is, you know, Nintendo. Everyone knows Nintendo. Everyone right. knows those mm -hmm. characters. Um, so sometimes if a student, for whatever reason, feels like Smash is a hard game, um, maybe they've seen other people play it and they're very, very good and intimidated by it. Um, I'll introduce them to Brahalla. And because it's not everyone doesn't know Brahalla, it's like the intimidation is a little down. And when they get confident, mm -hmm. I say, look, now you can do this because it's very similar gameplay, very similar concept of a game. Um, so a lot of times Brahalla is kind of like my entry into introducing some kids to Smash who are like kind of resistant to it. Um, but also it, each game has its own ecosystem, which is so beautiful. Um, and with Brahala not being the smash, it still has this amazing, huge community um, with lots of tournaments, lots of big prizes happening. And um, I was just surprised to, to see that because when we were thinking about um, the games to, to bring to the school. We wanted the popular games, but then we wanted some other games that made, because we want to say, just because you've never played that before, doesn't mean you're not going to be good at it. Or just because mm -hmm. you 
play this one game all the time and that's your favorite doesn't mean you're not going to enjoy this other game because that is very hard. Like some kids are just like, I'm a Madden player and that's what I play and I don't play anything else. Or another thing is I'm a Madden player on PlayStation or a Madden player on Xbox and that's what I play. I'm not playing on anything else. I'm not playing another game. (laughs) And we're like, wait a minute. <laughs> full of opinions. <laughs> Let's open the possibilities of maybe this still can be fun and you'd be surprised um, that you'd be good at it. And one thing was super fun. Um, the school had a professional development day. And so we were able to come in to be. Um, it was supposed to be just for fun, not like sit down and do training. It was just a fun self-care professional development day. And so we had all of the games set up and the teachers were set up where every, um, I think it was like every five minutes they had to switch chairs. And so they would start the game wherever the last person Yay. picked up. Oh, and so we fun. <laughs> did this intentionally because we knew if we gave them the choice, they were just going to go to the thing they were used to. Mm-hmm. And so by doing that, they discovered, oh, this is actually fun. I did it. I would have never chose to play it on my own. And yeah, I actually speed dating. Yeah. Yes, pretty much. Yes. That's um, so great. <laughs> and they loved it. The teachers absolutely loved it. And so that started the conversation oh, of why some of the games we've chosen to introduce the kids to something that they normally wouldn't choose because it's not the popular game or it's not what they're used to or what their brother or cousins are doing. Um, and so that has been really fun. So in the summer, like, for instance, uh, Bomberman was one of the big uh, fun games that the kids really love. It's not a big game, but it's fun. It's simple. And at first they were like, oh, we've never heard of this game. Like, that's going to be corny. And then they loved it. They absolutely loved it and had such a great time. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's so fun. I love that. I love uh, game speed dating. That's awesome I that, that you know what you gave me an idea i'm gonna have to try the put together a program game speed dating for grown-ups or something yes <laughs> so fun um that's great well i i want to quickly summarize some of the things that we've touched on before we get into our last little segment here okay. we began with a whole discussion on kick the day what you all are doing how it started naturally with posters in the neighborhood neighborhood and a repurposed tv in the driveway and from there you were able to build an environment where kids who wouldn't normally interact started interacting, took it from the driveway to a school and started developing gaming with intention to introduce competitive gaming in the esports ecosystem to all kinds of different kids. Um, you look to teach broader skills from coding to the competitive scene, event planning, sportsmanship, being part of a team, fitness, wellness, and so much more. So it's, it's not uh, just gaming, not that there's anything wrong with that either, no. <laughs> but it, it's bringing gaming into into the classroom to to teach other things in a really fun way. Your experience as an educational staffer helped. You were able to learn about what schools needed, what kids wanted, and get communities, key stakeholders on board. And at a granular level, you needed full support from the school staff to actually make this happen. So it wasn't just getting a director on, it was making sure that the teachers and everyone was also excited about the program. Absolutely. We talked about different support systems that could be in place. We talked about how having local government support would make implementing programs easier and supporting games as a part of education would be really helpful, but also that it can go too far and you don't want to create a situation where you have businesses flooding in trying to monetize a state contract or any of the red tape that might potentially come with state money. So it's, it's this balance of 
getting people on board and getting them to support, but also allowing the freedom and flexibility that you have now to win over stakeholders naturally um, and get a community what it actually needs. We ended with a discussion on kind of virtual worlds um, and how the hybrid between virtual and real life is really important. There's something about being physically present with someone that is just special and different, but the virtual element also allows people to connect where they may not have been able to actually connect due to physical distance. So having that balance is really great. Um, I, and at your camps this summer, you will still be taking time to get outside, be in nature, practice mindfulness, um, all of that in between sessions of gaming. And we ended with what the kids are playing, which I'm not going to get into, but because you gave several good answers. But I do want to know that I think everyone should try game speed dating. Uh, that's a brilliant idea. So the last segment I like to do, and this is something that I ask of everyone who comes on the show, and I know you've listened, so I'm sure you know what it is, but this is the moment of reflection. I want to ask you, what is one thing you would like to tell your younger self about getting into the gaming industry and being successful? So prior to um, meeting my husband, I was not a gamer. Um, my brother was, and I had other people around me and I'm like, I got better things to do around here. <laughs> and as uh, my husband and our relationship grew and we built a family, um, conversations around gaming and why it's important to my husband and realizing, um, what happens like the, for my husband, the nostalgia. Right. And so I think just being open being more open. I wish that I was more, my mind was more open to the, to the gaming space much more earlier. And I think my mind didn't completely become open until I was introduced to this esports world where I could see my kids, um, earning a scholarship or I could now see the career opportunities and see like, all that encompass this gaming space um, and not just the actual gaming part of it. And so it wasn't until that time that I discovered esports and the careers and all of the opportunities that I said, yes, I love this space. I want to be part of this space. I may not be um, the gamer, um, but I love this space and I love um, what's in this space. And naturally, because my kids are interested, I'm, I just want to be here so that I can help them grow and evolve here. But I do tell my younger self to just be more open minded. Totally with you on that. Um, listeners definitely know that I am not great at putting myself out there and actually trying games, but I love this industry so much, you know, I'm here yes. because I, I genuinely like it. I like reading about it. I love meeting folks like you who are doing stuff in it. So fun. So cool. Um, so I'm, I'm completely with you on that page. Uh, Julie, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you, follow you? Where can people follow kick the day, see what you all are up to get involved in the summer camps where, where can they find all that info? Yes. So on Instagram, we are Kick the Day Kids. Um, on Facebook, it's just Kick the Day. And then you can find me on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Juliet Jefferson there. Yes. <laughs> we talked about that because we love unique names. Yes. Yes. Name. So, thank you so much. Thank you. So those three places, I'm open. DM me, message me. Um, I'm open to um, people's suggestions and ideas too as well is so wonderful for all the listeners out there be sure to leave those five-star ratings and reviews check out other holodeck media podcasts including meta business and business of esports 
I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Lindsay Poss. You can catch me Wednesday nights on the Business of Esports Live after show. And you catch this podcast in your feed every week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us here on Meta Woman. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star review and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best Metaverse content anywhere. Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Woman.